I was really challenged by the word last week, and I'm going to lose it. And I wasn't even here. I, pre- I listened to it on podcast, for goodness sake. I was preaching at Northwest. And I was just so challenged by this idea of being undone in the presence of God and truly allowing him to love me the way that he wants to love me and the way that I hold him at arm's length sometimes. And I put all these expectations on myself about the way it looks to worship and the way I should be doing what I should be doing and how I should be loving God. And God just wants us to allow him to just move, give him space and rest in him. And I was just, yeah, really encouraged by that that message last week. And we're we're going to continue on this journey this morning. And to be honest, I don't feel like I've got something really brand new, this amazing revelation that I've had, although I have had some this week. But I feel like more it will be like a solidification of what God has already been talking to us about. And I'm excited about what that looks like. And it all begins with an encounter with the love of Jesus, an encounter with the Father. Because that changes everything. And like Jamie said last week, he, Jesus is the yardstick about how to love and what we love like. That's who we look to. That's where we need to fix our gaze, fix our eyes. You know, as we continue to be transformed because we have been created in the image of God, and as we continue to allow him to transform us, we become more and more like him. And we are going to explore a little bit today about a little bit more about what it means to love like Jesus. And at the end of this service, we are going to launch something that I believe can change the culture of our own lives and it can change the culture of how we love in this city and it will affect our church and it will affect our neighbours and it will affect the people that we run into on the street. It will affect every person that we come into contact with as we move in this direction today. So we're going to start with our key verse for this for this uh, series that we're in at the moment. And our key verse is from John 13, chapter, John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The word that I kept getting for this morning as I was preparing this week was Awakening. And I feel like God gave me a word to speak over us this morning. Is that okay? And this is what he said to me. God is on the move. God is bringing a change. A change to our hearts and our minds that is centred on love. He is causing an awakening for those who will submit themselves to him and allow him to, bring, to speak to their innermost places to bring fresh revelation. He is awakening us to the schemes of the enemy, opening our eyes to that which he has stolen, disrupted and misused. Awakened to those we have taken offence from and who we have offended. Awakened to the gossip and the slander that we pass as insignificant. Awakened to no longer operate in a place of hurt, 
mistrust and apathy to a place where we are aware of the motivations of our hearts and can readjust and realign that which is not rooted in love. God is opening the eyes of our heart and as he does for those who are willing, he will completely transform how we see other people, how we look at them and how we ultimately love them. Romans chapter 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect and pleasing will. His will is for us to love. His will is that we would love as Jesus loves. You know, God is so good. God is so good. And when he brings us a word, he doesn't do it out of condemnation or judgment. He brings us a word that is going to propel us into the destiny that he has got for us, to encourage us to live the life that he's called us to live. And this morning, we're just going to explore that a little bit more. You know, when we talk about loving, when we talk about how we love people, you have to go to that place where, you know, where we see in the scriptures and it says, love your neighbor. And we have to be able to work out, well, what does that actually mean? Who is our neighbor? You know, Galatians 5, 14 says the entire law is summed up in loving others, loving our neighbour. And the reality is that when we start to love one another in a new way, it need, we need to have a bit of an understanding, I think, about what it means to love our neighbour. And gratefully, um, we can listen to podcasts, right? And it, it's a very good thing to do. And Pastor Nate put me onto a podcast a little while ago that was um, from Judas Smith. And I just want to share with you a little bit of what... Um, he shared in that because I think that it was quite profound and I believe that there's something on it for us today. And he was speaking out of Luke 10 and he was talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the parable of the Good Samaritan comes about when an expert in the law, some would call them lawyers these days perhaps, an expert in the law said... What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to find a way that he could get out of loving some people. Not Jesus, the expert in the law. And so he, tr- he was asking, he's like, well, well, Jesus, who is my neighbour? Who is it? And Jesus answered him, as Jesus did, in a parable. And Jesus is talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan where a man is beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road and two people come past 
a priest comes past and crosses to the other side and keeps walking. And a Jew comes past and keeps walking. A Levite, I think it's called, I think it is in here. Crosses the road and keeps on walking. Both choosing not to reach out to that, that person. Now, a Samaritan comes along. Now, you have to understand, as you probably already know, the Samaritans were not the most loved people by the Jews. The Jews didn't think that the Samaritans really followed Judaism to its true, in its truest form. And so they didn't think they were really worth hanging out with. And they actually avoided Samaria when they had to go from one end of the world to them to the other but it, even though it would have gone straight through Samaria, they had to go across the Jordan and go around. And the same with Samaritans. So Samaritans didn't like the Jews either. Well, why would you like someone who doesn't like you? You know, that's probably what they were thinking. So they weren't real happy with them. So he's making a really big statement when he says, a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We could spend heaps of time on this, but we're just going to look at it really briefly. And I just want to draw your attention to the question that the law, the expert in the law asked, who is my neighbour? And then I want you just to think about what Jesus replied to him at the end of the parable. What was the question that he asked? He asked, who was the neighbour to that man? You see... Being a neighbour is not something that we, Jesus wants us to stop and justify and, and work out. Well, is that person my neighbour? Do I have to look after them? Do I have to love them? Who is my neighbour? I, I don't know whether that person, he's not in my world, so he's not really my neighbour because neighbour sort of makes it feel like it's somebody that you really know well. That's not what, that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is, are you a neighbour? Are you a neighbour to the people that are in your midst? Are you a neighbour to the person that you walk along the street next to? Are you the neighbour? Not are they your neighbour, are you being a neighbour? Because if we answer yes, we are a neighbour and I hope that we would be able to, then Jesus says go and do likewise, be a neighbour. Just be a neighbour to everyone. Don't try and justify it. Don't try to find a way out of it. Just be a neighbour. But it seems pretty impossible to me. I don't know about you, but loving everyone, loving every neighbour, that feels like it's the impossible task. It feels a bit overwhelming. But God doesn't tell us something in the scripture that he thinks is impossible for us to do. If Jesus is saying, go and do likewise, it means that there is a way that we can go and do likewise. He's not saying, okay, go and do likewise, but I really know in the back of my head, you can't really do it. Sucks to be you. He's not thinking that. That's not in the scripture. We are being transformed. 
We are going from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And the more time we spend with God, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we are transformed to be more and more like him, right? You guys are quiet today. When we sit with him, when we hang out with him, when we allow him to overwhelm us with his love, when we allow him to just envelop us by who he is, because he loves us, when we allow him to do that, then we realize that we're being a little, we're just becoming a little bit more like him. And when we become a little bit more like him, then loving just comes naturally because that's who he is. You know, loving is not what we do. Loving needs to be who we are because God is love, right? And if we're being transformed to be more like him, then I think that means we must be coming more and more like love. And what does that really mean? We are being awakened to a new reality, I, I believe, of what it means to have Jesus living in us. To be more like him, to automatically start doing things that we never thought was possible, the impossible. And all of a sudden, a week down the track, you're going to realise that you haven't thought ill about that person who you've had this grudge against for 12 months or more. And you're like, oh, I haven't even really thought about that person and I don't feel like I hate them as much as I thought I did. Because you're just spending time with God. And that person who took everything from us, who we are so upset with, all of a sudden we realise that our hearts change towards them. The person who offended us, who hurt us, who loved us, who laughed at us, who stabbed us in the back, whatever it might be, wherever you might be for that. But we realise as we spend more and more time with God that we can become more and more like him and we can love those people more easily. It becomes second nature. It just becomes our nature. Not even second nature. It is just who we are. So then we can become that neighbor to everyone. We love because Jesus loved us. We love like Jesus, unconditionally, extravagantly, abundantly. We love people. Does that mean that you have to be their best friend? No. It doesn't mean you have to be their best friend. But it also doesn't mean that you can ignore them. Who God puts in your world are the people who God's put in your world for a reason. Look around. Who is God asking you to love? And we need to just take the pressure off a little bit. Don't try to go out and love every single person who you come into contact with. Oh, right, okay, I saw Mel today. I need to, um, I need to go and buy her something that's not chocolates because she won't, oh, she loves them, but Simon won't appreciate that. So that wouldn't be loving him. So I better pick something else. And oh, I, I ran into Daphne today. I'm just going to um, ring her up quickly and I'm just going to pray for her over the phone because I don't, I've got to fit in. I think I saw about 100. Actually, I'm pretty sure there's about 200 people at church today that I saw. So I'm not sure how I'm going to exactly love them today. Start off small. Okay, don't think that you have to do it all at once. God will move you in the right direction. God will show you. He will draw attention to you, for you, to you, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Of the person, the people that he wants you to pour out on or to pray for 
or to, you know, go and have coffee with or just to talk to, whatever that might be, he will direct you. Just this week, I have been faced with a few situations and people where I have been challenged on the way I respond and react. And it might, this might ring a bell with you. Maybe this is your small way to start. One was in the car, who's a, who loves driving in the car? I don't, but I do. One was in the car and somebody was, you know, I was wanting to turn right and there was another car across from me and he just wanted to go straight, I thought, because he didn't use a blinker. But no, no, and I'd been waiting for ages and he actually wanted to turn as well. And I was just like irate. I'm like, what are you doing? Use your blinker. Of course, all the while I'm preparing a message on loving people. And I felt God say grace. I was like, whoa, that was very bad, God. I'm so sorry. But that was just a small way. They didn't even know what I was saying, but that was not loving that person. Another was a a mum who I've had a prickly vibe, you know? Those people who give you a prickly vibe. And I've had this mum in my world since Charlotte was in kindy and... I don't know what, how to manage that. And I saw her and I hid because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say and I didn't feel like, and I felt like God say, work in the opposite spirit. So I came from my hiding spot. And God put her in my world a number of times over that, the course of those few days. And I was able to work in the opposite spirit. Another person has been giving me the cold shoulder. I don't know why. I mean, would you give me the cold shoulder? I'm a really nice person. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I just can't. And I was really nervous about seeing them. And I felt like God say, you just need to love them. I'm like, what does that even mean? And I felt like God just says, you are responsible for your actions. They are responsible for their response. Just love them. As we saturate, as we soak in the presence of God, things will get easier. We will just start to automatically love. Who is it that you've been called to love? Jesus loved everyone. He loved the soldiers who were beating him. He loved the people who nailed him to the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do in that moment of agony. And he still loved them. There was never a cross word that came out of his mouth. There was never a moment where there would be any doubt that God, that Jesus didn't love them. And he is our measure. He's who we look to. I'm just going to really quickly read to you from Romans 12 because I have run out of time and we want to introduce Simon in a second who's going to come up and continue us this morning. And Romans 12 verse 10 to 17 says, Love from the centre of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who, be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. 
make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in, you get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If there's one thing to take home today, maybe two, it's that we are a neighbour to everyone. And it's that if we really want to love like Jesus, we need to spend time with Jesus. We need to be transformed and take it step by step and allow him to transform us from the inside out to become more like him so that we can love like him. It'll become second nature. This next initiative, I guess, that we're going to introduce to you is going to do help us to take this journey a little bit further. It's not about ticking off boxes, and I want you to just hear that. It's not about ticking off boxes that we're doing this and that and whatever, and you'll understand what I mean when we go a bit further. But this is about our hearts being changed. Don't do what we're going to talk about as a religious exercise. Do it to become closer to Jesus and to learn to love like him. So I want to invite Simon up. Let's give it up for Simon. And Simon's going to talk to us a little more about what we are going to be doing. Thank you, church. Thank you, Jez. God's doing something. I don't know if you can sense it, but I was undone in worship today. And um, it was just um, incredible to be here and to be with you. Um, I have the honour of launching this new initiative with Influencing the City and... I want to share with you the journey that we as a team have been on to come to this place. Because we're just ordinary people, we're just doing what God's told us to do and, and God has just orchestrated something very significant that we're going to launch for you. But I just want to share with you for a moment what God has been doing. And if you had have said to me a few years ago that I would have um, been talking about love, I would have said to you, you know, love's been overdone in the church. Oh, we've, we've heard about it, we know about love, yeah, love this, love that. Yeah, we've got it. But God undid me when it came to love. And I've been on a journey now, as, as we as, as a team for the last two years, investigating what love looks like in our worlds. And it truly has arrested my thinking and really completely transformed the way I think about it because God showed me that I understood love, but I wasn't walking in love. I wasn't activating it in, in my world. And he wanted me to do that. And he showed, us out of Ephes- showed me out of Ephesians 3.17, it talks about the height of his love. You know, his love is so high that he's divine. Like if you think about divine love and what that actually looks like, it's something that we cannot even comprehend in our humanness. We can't understand God's love for us and what that looks like. We can see it in some of the things that he's done, but truly his love is beyond our comprehension, beyond anything that we can imagine. And yet his love is so deep that it goes to the very pit of hell. And right there where things are just so dark and so terrible, yet you will find his love right there in the very midst of that place. Then his love is so wide. As far as the east is from the west, he separates our sin from us. 
that is unfathomable to understand how far the east is from the west. And yet, that's what he'll do. To comprehend and even understand that can just blow your mind. And the final thing is his, the breadth of his love. You know, divine love on earth is just something that we could walk out the rest of our lives and never truly grasp a hold of it. You know, we, I could spend the rest of my life and never really be only scratching the surfaces of the enormity of his love for me and for the world. And you've probably heard lots of people talking, Jamie and Jez, and it's been amazing how God is speaking through us as a church about love. But, you know, in summary, God's love for me is so important, and that's where it starts. We are revealers, as Jamie said last week, are revealers of the Father's love, because truly that is love. There is no other place for love. But then there's also the love that's in me that he's given, that he works in who I am. But the final thing is it's the love through me, because we're not reservoirs. We're not, we're not reservoirs. We're rivers. We need to allow that love to flow out of us. And this initiative is about allowing his love to flow out of us to the world around us because we know that love. We understand who he is. And to be able to release that to the world will truly transform not only our own lives but the world around us. And so what I want to do is we've been talking about that scripture in John 13, 34, love one another. But what I want to do is I actually want us to have a quick look at the context because there's something significantly powerful about understanding the context of that scripture in the very, very moment in time that it is. So if you want to turn with me quickly to John 13, 31, which is just a step back. So this is the context. This is where this story starts, if you like. So it was just before the Passover. So the cross is imminent. Jesus at this moment, actually does the communion, breaking the, the body and the, and the wine. Jesus knew that he, the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, we could just read over that, but I just want to highlight for a moment, he loved them to the very end. And that's something that, that's an earmark of love. Love doesn't just stop when the when circumstances are feeling good for me. Love continues on to the very end. It doesn't just stop, no matter what's happening around. And Jesus is demonstrating here that he loved to the very end. And this story is a powerful example of how he loved to the very end and showing us how he did that. So I'm just going to briefly fill you in on the story. So Jesus is at the table with the disciples. And then he leaves. He goes and he gets a bowl. He picks it up and he goes over and he grabs a towel and he kneels down at Peter's feet. Now, you've got to understand that Peter is the man he's about to anoint to go and take this thing that Jesus has been creating on this earth to the whole world. So he washes his feet. Then he goes to John, the disciple he loves, and he washes John's feet. He goes to, uh, to James, the one of the inner three, those that he has loved dearly, that love him deeply, and he washes their feet. Imagine what it would be like for the Messiah to do that to wash your feet. What an incredible blessing and amount of love that that is. But then Jesus comes to Judas Iscariot. Now Jesus knows that this man is about to betray him. Could you imagine? For that just he's, They've spent three years together. He's sown into this man. He's loved him. He's cared for him. He's given everything to this man and he's loved him in return. And yet in this one moment, Judas is about to step away, reject all that, stab Jesus in the back and completely betray everything that Jesus has just done for the last three years. And yet without even breaking stride, Jesus bows down and washes the feet 
of this very man who's about to do this. It continues on. He does the rest of the disciples. Then he sits back down. And then he gets troubled in his spirit in verse 21. And I'll just quickly run it through. He's troubled. And he, and he says, I'm troubled in my spirit because someone's about to betray me. And Peter being Peter goes, John, can you ask Jesus who that is? And so John asks Jesus. And Jesus says, the person that I dip, I'm going to dip this in oil. And the person I give it to, he is the man who is about to betray me. And Jesus gives it to Judas. Now, it's really interesting. The disciples really didn't understand what was happening at this very moment. And that's very significant. I'm going to come back to that. But Judas leaves. And then we read in verse 31, When he was gone, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, to love one another as I have loved you. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. When you understand the context of that scripture in the very moment in history that it is, it is so powerful, it is so significant and it is just something that truly just blew my mind when I saw how Jesus loved and he loved to the very end. For me, this is a classic example of what Jamie talked about last week when he was talking about Jesus' love wasn't affected by their stuff, other people's stuff. No matter what was going on in Judas's world, that his love wasn't affected by what Judas, because he was a revealer of the Father. He was a vessel for the Father's love. So no matter what was happening in Judas, he continued to love like Jesus did. But I want to take this a step further, because God showed me something else about this. See, Jesus was demonstrating his love through the action right there. It was all about what he did. He didn't have to say a single word. And as you see, Jesus didn't say, oh, to the disciples, look, look what Judas is doing right now and had a bit of a pity party and had a bit of a, oh, poor me. Look what Judas is doing. He didn't even highlight it. He did not give Satan or the enemy any space because you can understand that right at this moment, Satan would like to bring any distraction, any division, any offence and get their focus off what was most important. So what Jesus showed me, and what really surprised me, you know how you go down a path of God showing you stuff? And what really surprised me is where I ended up in this place because Jesus wasn't battling against Judas. His battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual powers of darkness in the spiritual age. He understood that. And what Jesus was doing, he was waging war at that very moment. He was waging spiritual warfare in this very moment in history and he was completely dismantling everything the enemy was trying to bring in that moment. In John 10 said, the enemy comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. If you like, that's a whole playing field. That's the enemy's playing field. He loves that place. Any division, any offence, all of those things. Destruction. It destroys the enemy's plans. But I've come to let you have life and life to the fullest. That is Jesus' playing field. And what, what God showed me is that there is this battle that is raging. And in, in, in nature, there's these incredible examples of, of um, predators and prey and all these, these fights that go on. And, and snakes and cobras, or cobras and eagles, sorry, have these incredible battles. Now, on ground, a cobra is always going to beat an eagle every single time because it's got footing, it can hide, it can move, it can manoeuvre beautifully. But an eagle on the ground has just got no footing, it's got no power, it's got no ability to leverage, its, its claws make it really clumsy. But an eagle is smart and he knows that he's not going to fight a serpent on the ground. He will see his enemy, he will fly down, he'll pick it up and he'll take it into the air 
And in that place, a snake has absolutely no authority, no nothing. It can writhe, it can river, but in the end, the eagle can come from any angle, can just drop it to the ground, and the eagle is completely changing the playing field on its enemy right there. And this is what Jesus was doing here in this moment. He changed completely the playing field by who he was, by the love that he revealed through the Father, giving the enemy absolutely no footing, no authority or anything. As it says in Corinthians, Jesus was showing us the most excellent way. And that church was having huge problems. And Paul was addressing all the problems. But then in the end, in verse 13, we know that that whole chapter, love is patient, love is kind. Paul was giving them the tool to dismantle every, everything the enemy was trying to do in that church. Love. Love is the most excellent way. Love will never fail. There's so many other examples. And, and Jez talked about the Samaritans. And it's such a powerful example. Because by his act of love, Jesus just went into Samaria. And there was 500 years of opposition, of offence, of all those things. You know, they could have been praying about that for months and years, but Jesus, just with one act of love, just stepped over all of that, 500 years, and saw revival in Samaria because of one act of love for one woman at a well. That is what love, and that is the power of his love through us, what that can do to the world around us. So we're launching something, and as, as a team, uh, God has orchestrated a book that we've, we've put together, for us as a church to actually activate in our own world over the next 26 weeks. And I'll explain why it's 26 weeks in a second. But this whole initiative we're going to talk about is called One Heart because we want to do this together as God's people, as his church, united as one, marching in love to completely demolish the plans of the enemy in our world and in our community around us. So what we're going to ask you to do is, is three simple things. It's not hard, and we want us as a church to engage in that together. And the first one is to love one person in our church that is outside your circle of influence. Ask the Holy Spirit, who is it that you want me for 26 weeks to just focus and love on? Love as you would love them, and that is it. Um, we, we, we believe that, to be honest, we can love the world, we can do all those things, but if you can't love one another, if it doesn't start with us, how can it ever go out to the world? So we want to start with one. The second thing is we want to love one person outside the church, to love your neighbour, as Jez has been talking about. We just want you to ask the Holy Spirit to select one person and then just pray for them and to love them as Jesus would. And then the third thing is we've put this book together and what we're going to do as a church together is we're going to go through this and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to ingrain in us love, what that looks like, change our hearts, change our minds, create a different culture in all of us. And we're most excited about that. This is called an activation journal. It's not just any journal, and there's a reason for that. And there's multiple things that God's actually put in this book that I'd really love to highlight. Um, the New Commandment and New Commission have one thing in common. They're about action. They're about us activating the love of Christ through us. So we want to activate that in your worlds. And that is what this whole initiative is about, is activating love through us together as a church. But this is what I want you to imagine. I just want you to imagine for a minute with me what it would look like if one person truly loved like Jesus. And what I mean by that is truly understood and released the love of Christ to 
to the world around them, revealed him in their world, what would it do? How would it impact the world around us? Well, Mother Teresa, she did just that. She was called of God to go and love the, the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. And she did that with everything she had. And that's what God asked her to do. When she left her church and when she left all the people she knew, they said to her, why? What are you? Who are you to have an impact in Calcutta? And she goes, well, I'm not going to have an impact. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to love one person. With everything that I have, I'm going to love them with all that I am. And I'm going to love them like Jesus. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's what Mother Teresa's, Teresa did. And she changed the, the, the whole face of the 20th century. She had kings, priests and presidents lining up for a moment of a time because she would dare to love like Jesus and love with all that she had. Imagine what it would be like if your cell group, your family, truly loved like Jesus. What impact could that have in the world around us? Well, William Wilberforce, had a, he, as you know, he was the guy that helped abolish the slave trade. He rallied a team of a people called the Clapham Circle and they believed that Jesus could impact the community around them. And they not only abolished and catalyzed the abolition of the slave trade, but they reformed culture by activating the love of Christ as a community to see that go out throughout the world. And our, our culture today is cornerstoned by a lot of the things that God did through a group of men and women who loved like Jesus. But I want you to imagine what one heart would look like if we, as his people, truly grasped what it looked like to love like Jesus. What impact could that have on us as a community and the world around us? Because I believe that as God does this in us, it can truly transform the world around us. And there's nothing less than revival can begin to break out. Because if you have one person that you love with everything that's in you, I believe there's 400 more new people that will be in this church by the end of 26 weeks. You may all remember that Rouvet painted an incredible prophetic picture, which is just here, which is the fireplace of the church lighting up God's people to go out into the community. When Rouvet did that, there's another picture that came about changing the playing field. Because that is what God is calling us to do, to change the playing field. And I've got the picture that Rover has painted for us that I want to show you today. And you'll see there the feet of those who bring good news, that the enemy is under the feet. That we have changed as we love like him. We can change the playing field on the enemy. We can bring light where there is darkness. We can bring hope where there is hopelessness. We can change the playing field and bring revival to our communities. So there's a few other elements of the book that I just want to share. Um, it is written by just ordinary people in our congregation. There's 12 authors have written the different journal entries, so it's come out of the very heart of who we are as the church. Um, that is so exciting because it's not someone out there, it is from us. It is put together by us as a church and I just think that's amazing. We wanted to call it Loving Like Jesus because love isn't a concept, it isn't a feeling, it is a person. It is a person of Jesus Christ. And as we reveal him to the world, we reveal the very heart of God to the world around us. Impact is something that we talk about how do we impact our city? And that's what our call is as a uh, impact the city and beyond. 
That's part of the vision that we've been given. Um, how do we impact? Well, William Wilberforce said, true impact requires a long obedience in the same direction. That is why we wanted to see a 26-week journal. That is why God put that together, otherwise he did. Also, we wanted to activate one thing each week in our world. We want to marinate on something. We want to allow it to work in us because then it will actually hold on. It will actually stay. It will change us. Therefore, we had to change the world. The seal that you see on the front of the book, that was actually came out of a prophetic vision that we had while we were praying by Damien Cook. He saw this vision of this seal. And we know that in that scripture in um, John 13, it says, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. As we go out and do this, we are sealed as his. And the world will see that. And, and the world will know that and ask questions. And I, I just love that symbol that, again, was painted by Rouvay to demonstrate that we are his. And the final, a couple of final things quickly is that unity is something really important. God commands a blessing when we march together in unity. And to be honest, church, this is, this is warfare, I believe, because we are stepping out and we're declaring today that we are going to change the game. We're going to change the playing field and we want to do that together. So what we're going to ask you to do is from today, we would like to march together. So each week, we're going to do the same journal entry. We're going to march together. We're all going to be on the journey together because that is going to build something in us that God is going to work through us. So we want you to march together with us, church, to take a hold of the book and allow God to use that. There's also a, um, a page on the book. We want you to write down things. Now, we don't want you to write down what you learn. This is about what you witness God do in your life. So as you step out and you forgive someone or you step out as Jez talked about and you, you don't hide from that person and you actually just love them like that, we want you to write that down because that is a testimony of what God is doing in your life and we want to hear about that. We want to know about that. We've also got at week 13 and week 26, we're going to get you guys to actually write a journal entry yourselves because who knows? Maybe out of this whole process, another book might come and we might be able to utilise some of the incredible things that God has taught you that has come out of the very heart of us as a church to be able to put down on some, and, and encourage one another in that. So there's something about writing things down and working it through that will consolidate it in your heart. So we're going to ask you to do that. And we're going to have a Facebook community that we've already set up, which will be on the screen. We'd love you to join that Facebook community and get involved, talk about the stories that happen, engage in that. We're going to have lots of tips, lots of podcasts from different people to really encourage us on this journey of loving like Jesus. And we would love you to post things, to put things up, to put those um, entries up that you've, you've done. And we've also got an e-book for those who don't want to have a hard copy and you want to have it electronically. Simeon Grew has done an incredible job at putting that together. So that's on Amazon. You can download that for free. Um, we're gonna, all the books will be given to you all as free today. Um, and we want to really encourage you all just to get on board with this as an army of believers together because we believe that God is going to do something powerful through this. So church, let's change the playing field on the enemy. Let us love like Jesus loved. Let's allow him to do something incredible in and through us that we believe will truly transform the community around us. So if, could everyone just stand for me just for a moment?
just want to pray over us. God, I want to thank you for every single one of these people that you just love so dearly. God, I want to thank you, Lord, that you have called us as an army of believers to stand up and declare, Lord Jesus, that you are the light of the world. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to love like Jesus in everything that we do. Lord, may we, may we, Lord Jesus, as we go through these 26 weeks, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that lives are going to be transformed. Lord, that, that offence and bitterness are just going to be completely destroyed. And Lord, I pray that as it says in Ephesians 13, that, that we'll be patient, that we'll be kind, that we will not envy, that we will not boast, that we will not be proud, that we will not be self-seeking. We will keep no record of longs, but we will delight in you, that we will delight in your truth, that we'll always protect, we'll always trust, that we'll always hope, that we'll always persevere. God, help us to understand that you are love and that you never fail. Lord, as we look to you, as we march together as your people, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will do incredible work, bring revival in us bring revival through us as we love like Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thank you, church. Fantastic. Well, what an incredible initiative that has come out of uh, our church's journey over the last three years. Um, I genuinely believe that as a church, as we journey together, we're going to see um, some incredible fruit come out of this. Um, very rarely do you see that a whole church body has the opportunity to move together um, as, as one united uh, group going through uh, something like this. Um, just letting God do what He wants to do in us as a whole church at the same time. So um, as you get your activation journal, just have a quick look at it, look over it. Um, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to maybe just pop it on the ground for a second. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we handed these out in service so that every person got one. Uh, we didn't want to try to hand them out as you left in case we missed putting one in your hands. Uh, we wanted to make sure every person got one. Um, out in the foyer, we do, we do have them for sale. I want to explain why, because although we want to give you, uh, every person in our church, this for free, okay, um, there is an opportunity for you to purchase one if you want to take it outside of our church, if you want to um, get one for a friend or someone else. Uh, we believe that it can impact uh, the community beyond our church, uh, but we wanted to bless you guys with this. So this one that we're giving to you is, is absolutely free, um, but if you do want to get one for other people, uh, we will be handing them out, um, I think, next week as well, if anyone wasn't here this week. Uh, so don't feel like you need to get one for someone who you know is normally a part of our church that's not here. Uh, we'll have them next week for those guys. But have a quick look through it. Then um, just as, as we begin to kick this off, we're actually just going to spend the last minute of our service in worship. Um, so once you've got it and flicked through it, why don't you pop it on the ground um, and then the team's going to lead us and then I'll close the service and we can all go out into the furnace that is our day. Um, but why don't we worship together, church?